Welcome to the Lovability Podcast. My name is Jennifer Stiers, and I'm here to talk love, relationships, sex, marriage, and everything in between. Everyone, happy Friday! Uh, welcome to the Lovability Show. Uh, um, are we are we on? Okay, good stuff. All right, welcome to the Lovability Show. Um, I barely made it here today. <laughs> um, I was just telling my producer Chris that I uh, hey Jamie. I literally looked down at my clock, and I live in Frisco, which is you know a good forty minutes at least if I'm driving normal. Uh, and it was two twenty three, and I'm like, oh my god. So uh, so. Thank you to my uh, Mario Andretti driving skills. I'm here, uh, and I was here with a couple minutes to spare. So, hello, everybody. Uh, so, uh, so today's topic, I know I've been hearing from a lot of people that they really wanted me to do this again. Uh, we, we did it before, and we went through the attachment styles, and many of you are familiar with attachment styles, but I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about um, how they relate to people in relationships, like how, what this, what it looks like and, um, uh, how you can, uh, how you can leverage, uh, if you have a, if you have someone with a certain attachment style that you're not, how to be able to leverage them in a relationship. Uh, so that's really what I want to focus on with the, uh, different attachment styles. So, uh, so really quickly, um, I think on my, let me just go to it really quick, just because it's going to be easier for me to reference it here than it will be to try to use my brain at this point. Um, I had briefly put up the attachment styles, um, anxious, avoidant, dismissant, avoidant, and secure. Um, and just to kind of go through a few of the characteristics of each one. So the anxious attachment style, uh, they seek reassurance, uh, within the relationship. Uh, they fear abandonment and crave constant validation. These are your people that had a, probably an unstable childhood. Uh, maybe um, abandonment issues. We've all heard the term before. Uh, but, you know, maybe parents that left them early or weren't there for them or didn't provide for them or didn't give them a safe place to feel safe. Uh, they, uh, so absent either physically or emotionally is where we tend to get anxious attachment style from. Dismissant, avoidant, fear of intimacy, self-reliant, uh, avoid emotional expression. This is, uh, again, a background where um, they probably came from an emotionless home uh, where emotions weren't expressed. If they were expressed, they were discouraged or, uh, or shut down. So they're not good at expressing their emotions. Uh, so somebody who um, maybe got even um, 
ridiculed or insulted if they shared. Uh, so it just was not a safe place to share emotions or be emotional. Uh, and then we've got avoidant. Um, and that is uh, fear and desire of intimacy, uh, conflicting emotions, difficulty trusting. Uh, I'll, I'll probably I may uh put dismissant, avoidant, and avoidant together today is when I go through relationships because they're pretty much the same as for how you deal with them. But fear or desire for intimacy, conflicting emotions, and difficulty trusting, it's kind of the same thing. Um, when they tried to get close, uh, you know, probably to a parent, they were dismissed. They It wasn't welcome. And so, or it was, it, again, was, it was a bad relationship where if they did uh, try to create any intimacy or have any intimacy, it was rejected or even um, abused. So uh, avoidant people just try to avoid any type of intimacy in general uh, for fear of rejection or fear of being close because being close to somebody was hurtful for them. You know, isn't it amazing as you go through all these things and you you are, we're talking because they they these all affect us, how we grew up affects us, but just exactly that. And for those of you raising kids, like everything you do, uh, no pressure, but everything you do feeds into them and creates who they are. Not that they can't change, but that change takes work. Uh, and so, um, it's not easy, I guess that's what I'm saying, but, uh, there's so, there's just a lot, uh, a lot to this. So, uh, so, hey, Jamie, uh, secure attached is the last one. Trusting, comfortable uh, with intimacy, uh, seek support and autonomy. Again, this is a childhood where their emotions were validated, where they felt safe. Uh, and so they were raised in, uh, raised in an environment where they felt safe, uh, showing love, giving love, expressing love. Uh, and so, uh, there are plenty of secure attached people out there. You know, the interesting piece of it is when you do take the attachment test, if you have done the attachment test, it'll very often test you for, uh, it's an interesting test because it can test you for what your childhood was and not where you are now. So if you've done the work, sometimes it'll still give you results from your childhood. So it'll show your attachment style that you grew up with. Uh, so, uh, so just know your attachment style can change. Uh, if you've done the work and uh, maybe you were avoidant or dismissive and you've done the work uh, through therapy or whatever, uh, you, you can become more secure. Uh, what really is going to seal the deal is when you actually have to put it into practice in a relationship. So if you get in a relationship with a secure attached, someone who's healthy, they can help lead you and guide you. Even if you haven't had therapy and you end up with somebody secure, uh, thank you to the secure person for staying in there because that's a hard deal for them uh, from a reassurance standpoint and constantly having to uh, to uh, what is it? Nurse and nurture, uh, any insecurities and fears that, uh, anxious person might have, uh, it's hard. Um, but, but a secure person can, can, and a secure relationship can help you heal into secure attached as an adult. So that's the cool part. All right. So, uh, so please feel free everyone. Uh, 
I am going to just update this. Um, so uh, please feel free to comment if you if you want uh, or uh, ask any questions that you have. Uh, one of the things I want to say why I'm uh, checking into what's happening on my my feed. It's not showing me people that are here. So um, sure would love to would love to be seeing you guys. But um, but what I wanted to say was uh, attachment styles are just a piece of all of this. Okay, so the super important piece of all of this is this is a small piece. There's a puzzle of who we are going in and attachment styles definitely fit in and they definitely make a difference. But here is is how because attachment styles will tell me I could, if I knew somebody's attachment style, I could pretty much tell you probably what their insecurities are, what kind of childhood they had, where they came from. And that matters, but it only matters to a point. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's really important that you understand that, uh, that your attachment style and your partner's attachment style is a piece of the puzzle, but it's just a piece. Um, and how you interact is going to make uh, most of the difference. Okay. So, uh, so the first uh, attachment style we're going to talk about is anxious attached. Uh, so, you know, believe it or not, a lot of people fit in this category. There really are a lot of people that fit here. And, um, you know, we see this with, uh, you know, divorce uh, cases or when mom or dad leaves uh, when a child is young. Uh, so a lot of abandonment issues, uh, which is why I always tell people that you need to to ask. You should always ask your uh, partner about their childhood. It's always it's a great first date question. What's your What's your relationship with your family? You know, where do they live? Where are they? Are you close to them? You know, what was growing up like? Uh, ask those questions. You know, on that first date because that helps you know where they're coming from. It helps you understand. I mean, if they tell you, well, I don't have a good relationship with my father. We didn't get along very well growing up and he was very uh, indifferent and absent. And so we just never established a close relationship. Uh, you'll kind of know that that person could be, uh, could possibly be anxious attached, but at least it gives you some guidelines as to, uh, as to what that is looking like. Um, or what to look for and uh, to anticipate. So the ways in which you want to deal with somebody that's anxious attached in a relationship, right? Uh, and again, the things you look out for is that insecurity piece. Um, so foster open communication. Uh, encourage your partner to express their feelings, concerns, and insecurities openly. Actively listen um, without judgment. Validate their emotions and assure them that you're there to support them. Uh, so... Uh, encourage your partner to express their feelings, concerns, and insecurities openly. The main point of all of this, of that, is you'd have to be there. So if you encourage them or allow them to give their emotions and speak their emotions, you're going, as I'll say with uh, avoidant attached and all of these, I'll sound like a broken record, but you need to listen. <laughs> you need to listen to understand. You need to listen and be empathetic. Uh, you need to listen and be supportive because just being there and then dismissing how they feel or not validating how they feel or 
uh, yeah, or or speaking against how they feel, telling them it's invalid, um, is is going to uh, is not going to work for them. It's I mean that's already their insecurity. So, oh my god, oh my god, I'm so sorry. Okay, I didn't forget to turn my phone off. Um, okay, so uh, and of course it was a spam call. So thank you very much. Um, so super important that you create a safe space for them to come to right so safe space uh and the second thing and i cannot stress the importance of this uh enough is to show uh show consistency consistency and reliability consistency is that love language that uh gary chapman never talked about uh he probably needs to add it in for today's society and write another book but uh Consistency and reliability, that's what anxious, anxious, avoidant, anxious, anything uh, as far as um, attachment styles is concerned, that's what they were missing was that safe place, that consistency of um, I'm, you're going to be there, you're not going anywhere, you're not going to judge them, uh, you're going to support them, you may not understand, but you'll respect them kind of space, right? but being there consistently for them. Consistency and reliability. If you say you're gonna do something, do it. The anxious attached person, the minute that you, like, you say you're gonna call, I'll give you a call Friday night, and you don't call Friday night, they are running to every you know conclusion possible of why you didn't call. You know, they've got somebody else. They don't like me anymore. I said something wrong. Uh, it was the other day on the date where, you know, I wore that shirt and, he, you know, he didn't like it um, or whatever, right? Um, so, uh, or talk too much or talk, didn't talk enough. Uh, whatever it was, that's where the anxious attached person is going to go when we're not consistent and reliable with our word. Uh, they're going to they're gonna go to it's them because they're insecure. Um, and then they're going to run to a million conclusions. And the biggest problem with this is when these anxious attached people start jumping into these conclusions and start making, in your absence, they start making their own conclusions, You, they'll, they'll completely dismiss you out of their life, meaning they'll be gone and because they've completely talked themselves out of you. And people can do that, and I watch it all the time. So I don't care what um, what attachment style you're involved with, you need to be consistent all the time, period, the end. Every single person should work on their consistency, right? And if you find yourself like myself, uh, there are plenty of times, and you all know it that know me, that you'll text me and I will not text you back for hours. And I'll usually acknowledge when I do finally text you back and get to it, um, or the next day, which doesn't happen too often, but if it does, I will acknowledge that I apologize it took me so long. I apologize for the delay. You know, acknowledge it because at least it gives, it validates the person for whatever, you know, feeling slighted or rejected or whatever anybody might feel if they wanted to talk to you or needed to talk to you or get in touch with you. So super, super important. Uh, Nancy says, period, the end, right? <laughs> I mean, it is um, consistency. Okay, I could have a whole show on it. I always say that and then I never do a show on it. But consistency in itself, is so important. I mean, even if you're a secure attached person, you're going to want another secure attached person and you're going to be looking for consistency. So 
out of all of them, this is just across the board, consistency is key in every relationship. Reliability and consistency is is right at the top of the list for everybody. So uh, uh, let's see, Ron. Hey, Ron. This uh, Ron says the same as me having the Rangers championship uh, team speeches. Um, I don't know what that means, but uh, go Rangers. Um, we're proud of the Rangers here uh, in Dallas and Texas. Uh, so or I shouldn't say in Texas because Houston's probably not happy because <laughs> we kicked y'all's butts for once this year. Um, okay. So, uh, so the third thing is provide reassurance for the anxious attached. Regularly remind your partner that you love them, appreciate them, and that they matter to you. Offer words of affirmation, compliments, and physical, uh, affection that help them feel secure in the relationship. You know, an anxious attached person wants to know where you stand always. They want to know how you feel. Uh, you know, even if, and I will tell you, even if you get quiet one day or you normally call at a certain time of the day and then you're late because of something, the anxious attached person is very in touch with those pauses, silences, um, and absences. So you definitely want to make sure that you are reassuring them, you know, uh, and, and being accountable and reassuring them. Uh, so, uh, telling them that you love them, telling them that they look beautiful, telling them that you think that they're smart, telling them how much you respect them, uh, finding anything you can affirm them for to build them up because they weren't built up. You know, the reason people are anxious attached is because they weren't given that they weren't fed. So you should feed them. You should feed them with happy, positive things in a relationship. And that will help them to become more secure. Uh, uh, the fourth thing is to set boundaries. So establish healthy boundaries is establishing healthy boundaries is crucial in any relationship. Encourage your partners to develop their own independence and self-soothing techniques. This can help reduce their dependency on you uh, for constant reassurance. Okay, what does that mean? This is important. <laughs> this is really, really good. And again, I'm going to spend a lot of time here on anxious attached because we've got other anxious uh, uh, attachment styles, avoidant attached, and things like that. And these are all. We're, they're going to be so similar. It, it doesn't even, it shouldn't even matter for me to hit them again. Um, set boundaries with anything. And I will say right up front, when you get in a relationship with somebody or you start seeing somebody, you've got to set those boundaries from the beginning. I mean, ladies, if you're not going to go home with a guy, you're not going to sleep with him right away. You need to tell him it's okay to set the boundaries. Like if he says, Hey, how about coming back to my house, you know, for a nightcap after the date say, you know, Hey, I'm not that kind of girl. And I move slow. It's a little too fast for me. Boom. You've set the expectation, right? You've set the boundary. Um, of course, now you have to follow it, ladies. Um, very important. But also be okay with saying whatever you feel. I mean, don't think, don't be afraid that if you tell, you know, somebody no or you set a boundary that they're going to go away, that's okay. If you set a boundary and it's your boundary and it's important to you and they go away, they're not your person. So it's to you should not be afraid to set a boundary that is important to you and worry about what the other person's going to think or how they're going to behave or what their reaction is going to be. Uh, you just need to set it, stand for it. And if they're your person, they'll stay. And if they're not, they'll go. And that's okay. That's how you weed through people. Uh, but boundaries are everything 
And the reason relationships get out of control down the road is because proper boundaries aren't set to begin with. Guys, that includes you guys um, as well. I remember I had a gentleman uh, last a uh, uh, couple uh, uh, podcasts ago that was talking about setting boundaries with uh, with women and that they didn't respect them. And he said, I've tried to set boundaries about certain things and they don't respect them. Save yourself time and get out then because that's a red flag. Anybody that doesn't respect your boundaries isn't going to automatically down the road start respecting them because they know you better or they've fallen in love with you. Somebody that doesn't respect somebody's boundaries doesn't respect boundaries. And it's not the right person to be in a relationship because relationships are a partnership and that's what it's all about is respecting each other. So uh, set boundaries uh, and encourage your partner. The second part is really important to develop their own independence and self-soothing techniques. Super important for you. It's okay for you to tell an anxious person, anxious, attached, whatever to like, maybe they say, oh my gosh, you didn't call me. Um, you know, when you left work or you didn't call me to let me know you made it safe and I got so worried. Nip that in the bud, right? Nip it in the bud. Say, you know what? If I ever don't call you when I get home or if I ever forget to call you when I leave, just text me or just pick up the phone and call me. Don't hesitate or wait or worry. I don't want you to have to do that, right? Or to be able to say, um, hey, if I, you know, if I, if this happens, um, and I don't follow through on it, um, feel free to call me on it, but don't make anything of it. Sometimes my schedule gets hectic. Sometimes I get caught up here or there. Um, you know, so if I don't call at a certain time that I normally would say I'm going to call, or I don't do something that I say I'm going to do, assume that there's a reason for it. Don't assume that there's something wrong or I've you know, gone astray or stop loving you, or I'm not, you know, uh, maybe somebody that travels a lot. I, you tend to find this with, uh, anxious attached people that, and they have boyfriends or girlfriends that travel and to be able to say, you know, uh, I know you're, you have business dinners and parties and all of that, but if you could check in with me, it'd be great. We'll be able to say to them, realistically, I am here on business. I would love to check in with you. And if I'm free, you know, after dinner in between that and my event, I would love to call you. But if I don't, please don't worry. You know, I, I love you. I would never do anything to betray our relationship. I'm just, I am just at a work function. I'm with a lot of my, you know, colleagues and executives. And I don't necessarily know that I'm going to have time to do that. Set the expectation, reassure them. That way they have those techniques in their head ahead of time. So they don't, when they do get worried, they can go, okay, she told me this, right? She told me this was going to be happening because the expectation was set. I hope that makes sense. But what you're doing is giving them tools instead of having to reassure them every time something happens, you're giving them tools so that they can talk themselves through it. And long-term, that will help you. Uh, Nancy said, bye-bye. <laughs> it's pretty simple. Okay. Mm. Number five is be patient and understanding. Uh, Chris, I think they have the heat on in here. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, be patient, understanding. I, by the way, I'm the only girl that gets hot everywhere. I'm like, I'm hot natured. And, 
I'm amazed at how hot everything is all the time, especially this building. Okay, number five, be patient understanding. Anxious attachment often stems from past experiences and insecurities. Be patient with your partner's anxieties and try to understand the root causes behind them and avoid, avoid criticizing or dismissing their concerns. You know, this is the hard part about putting anxious attached with secure attached people because secure attached may not know where this is coming from. And it's important that you know and that you ask uh, because it's not in their wheelhouse, right? So for example, with an anxious attached person, when you don't call, when you say you're going to call, or you don't do what you say you're going to do, they immediately jump to all these crazy conclusions. And I say crazy because that mind can go and it's like, whoa, reel it back, where'd all that stuff come from? I've watched it, I've seen it, I've heard it. Uh, I have to reel people back in matchmaking for people, you know, and in coaching for people. I'm like, wait a second, how'd you get there? Because you just made all that stuff up. Um, you know, he didn't call because he found somebody else and because he's not interested in me anymore. And, you know, because I was boring on the last date and, you know, he didn't like my outfit. And <laughs> I mean, um, and yes, the reason I'm speaking in terms of women, I love you ladies, but you're the ones that do it the most um, uh, with this kind of thing. I do hear men do it. It comes off uh, a lot as a lot quieter of a insecurity. It's like they're not necessarily running scenarios through their mind of what went wrong. All that's happening is there's a quick fall from she likes me to she doesn't like me anymore and it's over, you know, kind of thing. So it's very black and white for men where women tend to come up with a lot. So guys know that, um, that when you don't do what you say you're going to do or say what you, you know, and then all of a sudden you get these, like not accusations, but, uh, you know, we need to talk. You don't like me anymore, whatever it may be. You need to understand that's not crazy. It's because they have some wound or insecurity from their childhood and try to find that out. So instead of judging or feeling attacked or getting defensive about it, uh, why not ask, why not say, why did you come up with that conclusion? What made you think, you know, what have I done that would make you believe that that would be the case or that that could happen? Um, you know, was there somebody else in your life or your childhood that did this to you that made you feel this way? And find out because it does help give you some empathy and understanding to where they're coming from. And sometimes when we have that information uh, as to where it comes from, we can have empathy to not do it in the future, to know that we're, when we do that, we're going to hit a wound. I've actually heard guys say it before where they'll say, you know what, I need to go and call my wife because she gets really uh, nervous uh, or upset or anxious if she hasn't heard from me and I don't like her to get upset. So I'm just going to go make a quick phone call. Love to hear stuff like that because when you know your partner and you know some of the reactions to things, you can fix it, right? It's not your job to always do it. Uh, it's their job to get healthy, but you also can play along by helping do things to reassure them and once you do that enough, you should, it helps to, helps to change their mindset. Uh, okay. So 
The sixth thing is to encourage self-care. Uh, help your partner develop self-care routines and activities that promote their emotional well-being. Um, encourage hobbies, exercise, therapy, or mindful practices that can aid, um, that can aid in reducing anxiety and building self-confidence. Uh, so, you know, that could be reading books, that could be going and talking to somebody, uh, working through, if it's therapist, counselor, whatever it may be, um, you know, to work through whatever that they have going on. If you see that there's an issue, best that you don't try to fix it, especially you guys don't try to fix it. Girls, same thing. Girls don't dismiss it and don't try to fix him and don't hope he'll change down the road. If somebody is wounded they need help. And it's not your job to be their therapist and do it for them, right? You can only reassure so much. You can only love so much. You can only be supportive so much. You can only be um, uh, uh, communicative so much. When it becomes a problem where it's causing a problem in your relationship because you're needing to fix them or handle them because of their insecurities, they need help. And um, that is my next one. And that very often people that are in this place that haven't gotten help for it need to get professional help. You need to talk it through. You need to understand where it comes from. You need to get tools. You know, cognitive therapy will give you tools to be able to walk you through, you know, moments of, you know, okay, this wound is from my childhood. This wound is from my dad. This is person is not my dad. This is what it's, you know, sometimes just that rational thinking of saying, okay, I'm feeling anxious because my partner hasn't called me. Um, and instead of running down the bunny trail that he doesn't love me anymore, or he's with somebody else, or he has forgotten about me, or he's dumping me, uh, I'm going to remember that this is my wound and that this is something that I'm insecure about because of the wound that I have with my father or my mother doing this. And therefore, I'm going to not jump to conclusions. I'm going to go directly to the source. And if I'm feeling uh, insecure or I have a question, I'm going to ask my partner uh, directly, you know, what is going on if, if I have a question. So I just feel like if somebody needs, uh, if somebody needs help, they need to get help. You're not, you don't need to do it for them. Uh, let me jump into my notes here. So I'm gonna move on to avoidant attached, um, avoidant attached again, you know, tweak, tweak, right. To, to anxious attached, um, same thing, create a safe space for them, right. G expressing their feelings, emotions, may not have been safe for them. Being intimate may not have been safe for them. You'd be amazed how many people did not have a close relationship with their parents. They weren't intimately close with them at all. And so they had no safe place. So how does somebody learn at a, in, as an adult to trust intimacy, to, to trust, you know, even, even bearing their emotions they may not have ever done. Uh, so super important to encourage, you know, open communication with them, a safe and non-judgmental uh, space, as uh, I said before. Uh, and this is super important here and specific to this. So avoidant attached have not, are not super comfortable with super close relationships. So anxious attached people, it's probably not going to be your person. This could not be further away from, I mean, the, the healing will not happen here, right? You've got, you've got two dynamics working where anxious, when they get anxious, pull closer, avoidant when they get anxious, pull apart. 
<laughs> so they just don't go together. So just remember that. Uh, but, um, but respect their need for space. Avoid an attached, same thing. They can move into more secure attached with a secure person if you allow them their individual space and ease into getting closer to them. Uh, if they've never experienced that type of intimacy before, they have to they have to ease into it. They're just not going to, if they've never been touched before in a, in a intimate, non-intimate way, holding hands, snuggling on the sofa, if that's not something they've ever had, it's not something they're going to want to do, you know, but you could start, you know, with little touch, little touches here, touches there, holding a hand for a short amount of time, you know, just getting easing into it. And when they pull away, allow them to pull away without taking it personally, right? Uh, everybody's got their personal space, avoid and attached has definitely has their own personal space. Uh, understand may, they may need occasionally uh, need time alone to recharge and avoid taking it personally. Mm. And allow them the space they need to uh, that they need to without making them feel guilty. Um, super independent people, super super independent people, uh, can be avoided and attached. All right. So you see these really uber uh, um, independent people; they can be avoided and attached. And just understand where they're coming from and give them the space that they need. Uh, that means don't stress about when they haven't called you or they haven't asked you to get together, they value their space and, and time and peace more than they value being in a relationship. I hate to say it, but it's just kind of where they are and they want a relationship. And if they are motivated to be in one, they will change, but they will change slowly. So you have to move slowly with them. Uh, be patient and understanding. Building trust and emotional intimacy takes time for someone with an avoidant attachment. Recognize their fear of closeness and vulnerability and try not to rush the process. You know, where some people are really open, the avoidant attached is not going to be as open, right? It's going to be little tidbits at a time. Encourage them as they start feeling and as even if it's a little bit of vulnerability, instead of saying, well, you didn't tell me much, you know, or that's not enough. Um, encourage, you know, encourage them by saying, thank you for sharing that. It's so good for me to know that or I appreciate you being vulnerable with me. You know, you're safe here and just reassure them that they are in a safe place that will help uh, so positive reinforcement goes a very long way you know along the way when you're working with somebody who's avoidant attached because getting close scares them the more you can show them that it's safe and okay the more they're going to trust in you right I will say um, I think out of all the attachment styles uh, the anxious attached very much wants to be secure attached, so they're very motivated to change. So when you make suggestions and are loving and consistent and positively reinforcing them, they are eating it up. Uh, but with an anxious attached person, um, it is it is not a fast process, people. I'm just telling you right now, like it is, you better be prepared to be patient and you better be a busy person and have a lot going on in your life as well, because 
it just is going to take some time to get close to that person. They're not used to it. They're not comfortable with it. Has nothing to do with you. But if they like you enough to hang around, uh, then, um, you know, and you like them enough to keep them around and be patient with them, they can be really good partners. Uh, foster a secure environment, create an atmosphere of safety and consistency in your relationship. There's the word again. Uh, avoid sudden changes and, uh, uh, or unpredictable behavior that may trigger their anxieties. Um, consistency and reliability can, ha- uh, can help them feel more secure in a relationship. Uh, again, any, uh, any abnormal uh, behaviors uh, or uh, uh, changes in schedule or anything like that triggers anxiety in any of the anxious uh, attachment styles. Um, So just try to be as consistent and peaceful as possible. You know, it makes me a little sad when I start talking about this because as a counselor, I know these attachment styles and I know the kind of stories that I've heard over the years of why people are in these places. And I think if people knew why they'd be a lot more compassionate and understanding everybody goes in relationships and they want everybody to be like them they want everybody to do what they want them to do when they want them to do it they want them to say and feed them the way they want to be fed the way that they they are and and everybody's different and everybody comes from a different space and you never know what that is and having compassion and asking a lot of questions to learn. Your avoiding attached person isn't going to tell you very much. I can tell you that. Um, They'll tell you tidbits at a time. Uh, I think one of the reasons that anxious attached won't talk about it is because a lot of anxious attached people have blocked out painful memories like that. So they're not talking about it because they haven't thought about it in a long time. Because in order to survive and thrive and get through in life, they had to self love and self-comfort themselves and give themselves everything they needed emotionally. And so they're not used to somebody else coming in and having and sharing that with them. So uh, it's it's really quite sad. And the reason I'm wiping my eye is not because I'm crying. It's just that my allergies are so bad right now. Um, but it is it is sad. I mean, it is sad when you, when you, if you don't know somebody's story, you should always find somebody's story out, especially if their behaviors are, are very different than yours. Don't judge them. Don't say they're a player, you know, they're flaky, they're this, they're that. I hear all the comments you guys say, um, you know, try to learn about people, ha- take time, have patience, try understanding them. Uh, you don't have to be with them forever. Just take the first three dates to try to learn about somebody and show a little compassion and a little patience because it is something we are definitely lacking in relationships today is people really, really taking the time to care. Uh, everybody has, again, the certain way they want somebody to show up for them. And that's not their job. It's your job to show up as you. It's their job to show up as them. And sometimes that works instantly and sometimes it doesn't. But this immediate society we have, I mean, I could even start with the way that everybody's finding some of these people. You're online and you're swiping and taking two seconds to swipe left or right on somebody's face. And then you complain that you can't find any good people or there's no good people out there or they're all players. No, that's what you're choosing. 
right? It's what you're choosing. There's plenty of great people out there. You're just not finding them for whatever the reason is. But a lot of it is because of the fact that we're not taking the time to look for those things and to ask for those things and to be patient for those things. So uh, that is where we are. Jamie says, do covert narcissists show a lot of anxious attachment traits? Um, uh, great question, Jamie. You know, I'm a thinker. Um, you know, covert narcissists, and I'm not a narcissist specialist. I'm not. I will say it right now. But I will say I don't, I I don't think they think through these things, right? So I don't think it's that they have not gotten their needs met necessarily. Um, it's just, it's just that their brain works different and it's just a different covert. Narcissists don't know they're being covert sometimes. So, um, it's, it's just their behavior. It's what they've learned and how they've learned to cope. Could they have, you know, uh, anxious attachment style traits? They could, depending on where they came from. I mean, some narcissists were overloved, were overpraised, you know, so there was not anxiety there. So it's not always, uh, that's a whole, and we need to definitely do a show on narcissism again. Uh, and I want to make sure we do it with someone that really knows about it, like inside and out, because there's a lot of people that say narcissism and we have a lot of people calling other people narcissists that aren't narcissists and most everybody has narcissistic traits. Doesn't make you a narcissist and doesn't make somebody else a narcissist because they have traits, but uh, we just have to be really careful with labeling those things, right? Uh, narcissists in general tend to come from family history of narcissism, um, and the sad truth of it is a lot of people don't realize it. They don't realize that their mom was a narcissist or their dad was a narcissist because they've never looked at it that way. But something in their childhood created that in their brain. And uh, so uh, there you go. Uh, okay. Um, it's not genetic. <laughs> uh, Kevin says there's a backstory to every story. There is. There really, really is. Thank you for saying it that way because – everybody's got a story and it's not your place to judge it. We, you know, we really should be more compassionate and loving towards each other. Even if you guys are different, you know, even if you think differently, I have, you know, I, I see more often today, uh, politics really, really separate people. And, uh, you know, I was just talking to a client about that and, you know, she was said, you know, I can talk about this, you know, it's okay that we have differences. I just want to talk about them, not fight about them or create space or hostility between us about them. But we have just, there's so many places in society today where we've just taken, um, large leaps to one side or the other and refuse to see another person's point of view. And it, we're missing relationships that way. We're missing connection that way. We're actually missing using our brain that way. Because when we take our the stand for something we believe in, but refuse to see another side, 
we're not we're not training our brain in any way, shape, or form. I mean, there's lots of ways to look at things, and if you're that close-minded, your brain's not going to continue to grow. <laughs> Period. The end. Brain conversation over. Okay. Uh, last thing, our second to last thing is build a strong support system. Encourage your partner to develop a support system outside of the relationship, friends, family, or therapist. So same as the other. Seek professional counseling. Same as the other. Uh, okay. So. Uh, we are on to secure. Wait, hold on. Um, secure attached. Okay. Yay. Secure attached. Finally. Uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of secure attached people out there. Even people that grew up in anxious attached uh, childhoods because of the fact that a lot of people have gotten therapy. And that's guys too, ladies. There's a lot of men that do the work. Uh, I know a lot of enlightened men. I love it. I th- I think it's I think it's great. I'm I've watched and I will say I really feel like it was pro uh, after uh, post COVID, uh, but I think gave a lot of time for people to look at things. And I am finding men being a lot more enlightened and a lot more conscientious than you ladies are um, in general. Again, I I. My, my findings and, and things I see are pretty consistent when Match does their uh, Singles in America survey. I'm not tooting my own horn. I'm just saying, like, there's something to this across, you know, across the globe that we're looking at trends. And one of these trends are that men are showing up a lot more for relationships than ladies are. And I am seeing this as well today. I feel like COVID changed things where women are not, um, are not being as nurturing, loving, and consistent and as, um, into relationships as men are. So, uh, these got a lot of men are getting counseling or have had counseling and are very enlightened. So ladies do not, uh, do not ever think that that is not happening. Um, Jim says, is there a such thing as a truly generous narcissist? <laughs> absolutely there is. I mean, absolutely, because they get, they get satisfaction from giving and they get praise from giving. Uh, the narcissist is fed by being generous sometimes, overly generous. So, um, so yeah, um, when you say truly generous, I mean, we're using a word, but, uh, but Again, sometimes they don't understand that the, their need to buy the whole bar drinks is their insecurity and their way of feeding their narcissism. Um, but it's they think of it as they're being generous and kind and you know whatever. But there's just, just difference in the brain. Uh, okay, so uh, so let's talk about secure attached, which we're all uh, striving for or being in a relationship with if we're not. Uh, one ourselves. So maintain um, honest and open communication, keep the lines of communication open, sharing your thoughts, feelings, and needs with your partner, foster an environment where both of you feel comfortable expressing yourself without fear of rejection. Um, I just like to get what I wrote out so we can just talk about it. Um, so, uh, so you're in a safe place, right? Uh, so stay there because the, the secure attached person is comfortable with intimacy. They're comfortable talking. They're comfortable with open communication. They need it. So if you are holding back, if you are not being vulnerable, not allowing yourself to be vulnerable, if you're not being who you are, 
the secure attached person isn't going to attach to you. That's where they get connection from is relating on those things. So if they, if a secure attached person feels like you're holding back, like secure and avoidant, ooh, you know, yuck. That's not, it doesn't, it's like polar opposites. Um, if they feel like they're not getting, the secure attached person will walk away. They typically will walk away um, and say like, okay, this is not not okay with me and this is not going to go anywhere because I'm comfortable in my own skin. I'm comfortable being intimate. I'm comfortable with all of this. Unless, of course, they're comfortable also being in uh, a, a relationship with a lot of space. I think that's the exception. Some secure attached people are very secure, very busy. And so they're very comfortable, and you will see this with a lot of professionals, where they're okay being with somebody who's a little anxious or avoidant, I shouldn't say anxious, but avoidant, because their schedule's busy and they don't have to worry about that person breathing down their neck all the time. Like if they stay at work late or whatever that may be, or travel, they don't have to worry about that person being all over them. So, uh, so that can work for that reason, but, uh, but they, they want those close relationships. Um, they need it and they will notice if it's not there. So they're looking for it. So maintain open communication, uh, be vulnerable, you know, keep the lines of communication open, uh, practice active listening, truly listen to your partner when they speak, give them your full attention, show empathy and understanding, validating their emotions, um, connects, uh, uh, helps create a deep sense of connection and trust. You know, again, a secure attached person is secure, right? They're looking for moments and places where you make connections with your partner and where you, um, where you feel senses, sense, a sense of intimacy and, um, and warmth and love and, uh, you know, uh, uh, shared, shared values and shared, you know, feelings and emotions. So, uh, so being attentive to them is going to help them feel that connection, right? Um, if you're in your head worried about something you just said, or you're worried about something they just said and what they really meant, and you're not present in that, they're going to feel that. Right. And so a secure attached person would also want you to call them out. Like if you're feeling something or you have a question about something, they will appreciate it if you ask them, okay, just a minute ago, you said such and such. Tell me a little bit more about what you meant about that. Right. So it's perfectly okay to do that because that actually, um, that actually will feed a secure attached person because they'll feel like they were heard and, uh, they're connecting. So, uh, prioritize number three is prioritize emotional and physical intimacy. Uh, emotional and physical intimacy are vital in a secure relationship. Create opportunities for quality time together. Engage in activities that foster emotional connection and bonding. Uh, physical affection, hugging, kissing, holding hands, that strengthen the bond between partners. Uh, I think I just said we talked about a lot of that, but any type of connection where the secure person, you don't, they're not having to feed somebody's ego. They're not having to deal with insecurities. They're not having to take care of somebody else. They're just enjoying time with their partner, uh, enjoying the connection, enjoying the intimacy without all that stuff in the space. That is what creates really strong bonds and really strong emotional intimacy between two people. 
Um, so making sure that you allow for that, you know, because that a secure attached person is going to want that. It's a healthy desire to physically want your partner. It's healthy to emotionally want to talk to your partner and want to be close to them uh, and have deep conversations. Um, so you want to make sure that you're present for those things, that you're, you know, either not absent, not willing to do it in your head, um, avoiding it, uh, insecure about it, right? So just, uh, just being present. Um, and physical affection, typically, because it was probably in a secure attached home, it was probably something somebody was comfortable with. I will say with a secure person, you may find that they have really good boundaries too. So just because somebody's got good boundaries doesn't mean that they're insecure or anxious. Um, somebody that's secure would have good boundaries too because they're secure enough and confident enough to be able to express those and know when they're ready, know when they're comfortable with something. Um, so some somebody that has good boundaries, I've heard you guys say it or ask it before, where does this mean they're insecure because they won't allow this or they won't allow that or they have this rule or that rule? No, it means they know who they are and they're they respect themselves enough to stick to their boundaries properly so a secure person should have good healthy boundaries in a relationship and that means calling somebody else out too if they do something uh inappropriate okay let's see um any more questions guys uh number five practice forgiveness and conflict resolution no relationship is without challenges. When conflicts arise, focus on resolving them constructively rather than placing blame. Uh, practice forgiveness and working together to find solutions that satisfy, satisfy both partners. This approach strengthens the relationship and fosters a sense of security. So practice forgiveness and conflict resolution. Um, here's where you anxious people get to learn um, is learning when you go through, you know, you're with a secure person and they reassure you or they they explain something to you or they're there for you or they're consistent with you. Um, being able to uh, show up to that, acknowledge that, talk about that, uh, to be able to forgive if they hurt your feelings, but they didn't know they hurt your feelings, being able to forgive them and move on right? With a new understanding um, and letting things go, right? Because so much of these insecurities from the anxious attached are from childhood. They have nothing to do with the adult standing in front of you. So learning also to, to give grace to somebody when you first start dating them and understand that if you're bringing your stuff in, you know, they're having to deal with it and that's really not fair. So, uh, so uh, understanding you need to learn new conflict resolution skills, especially avoidant attached people. You've got to get okay with having some conflict or having a hard conversation. It may be a hard conversation for you, but not for a secure attached person, right? So learning new skills, it's how we grow. It's how we become healthier. So super important. Um, and Ron is researching when we talk. I love that. Um, it's a good, it's, it's good stuff to know. I mean, it really is. It's good to know what yours is and to know the other ones enough to where you recognize them and other people. Uh, Rebecca, I knew you'd be on this show. Um, 
and I love that you are because you have referenced this many, many times. It's hard to deal with someone who refuses to apologize or acknowledge grief um, that they've caused. Well, you know, guess what? Narcissists, <laughs> um, narcissists don't know. I mean, that's the that's the crazy piece of all of that. It is hard to deal with somebody, but you shouldn't. You know, um, that is part of being healthy is is setting those boundaries. If somebody can't be compassionate, if somebody can't apologize, if somebody can't be accountable to their own actions, they have a problem that they need to work on. Whether you want to stay in the relationship with them at that point is up to you, but it's impossible to be in a relationship that's one-sided, that there's only one, you know, because ultimately you're the one with the, the, uh, only the, the, the only problem. And yes, it is hard when it's family and it's hard when it's somebody you love, you know, family or partner. It's hard when it's somebody that you love. Uh, that is why it's so important whether you're, you have a healthy background childhood or not that you, you know, talk it through with somebody else, but you set healthy boundaries and that's where boundaries are really important. If you guys have not read, Melanie Beatty's, you know, um, Codependent No More book or Boundaries by Henry Cloud. Uh, one of my friends was just, just sent me the book, um, Boundaries in Relationships and Boundaries in Dating. Great books, great tips for help, helping you. Sometimes people read these books and they're like, oh, well, I thought this was, you know, uh, asking too much from somebody, but it's actually a healthy boundary. When you don't have healthy boundaries, you don't set those and then you know, you have people that come in that don't acknowledge, aren't accountable, that aren't healthy. And so the quicker you spot them, the quicker you can either, you know, keep them in your life or make decisions for them to be removed. Um, so, uh, so <laughs> Chris, Chris likes me. Chris says I rule, but he's my, uh, my producer. So he has to say that. <laughs> um, so continue, Chris rules. So, uh, thank you for, uh, always being successful with, um, my, my, uh, my feeds here. This is not easy guys. What he has to do here to get me live on Facebook, uh, and to do all the things that we have to do here to get ready for it. Um, I'm thrilled that we are, uh, we were able to do this by the way. Um, there is a YouTube channel for lovability. If you guys ever want to go back and watch the show or share it with somebody, um, we're on, you know, uh, Spotify, Google, Apple, um, Amazon, uh, you can hear the podcast on all of those, uh, platforms. So please share them with your friends. Um, they can listen anywhere. The more people that are exposed to information like this, the more healthy people will get, the more enlightened. Some people need to hear it multiple times before it sinks in, but the more they hear it, the better and the healthier they're going to be. So spread the word, spread the love. Uh, so, um, so, you know, I'm going to wrap up the show now. It is time, but I do want to say, you know, just remember everybody has a history, right? Uh, one of my friends used to say, you don't want mine and I don't want yours, right? Um, in the sense that we've all dealt with our own stuff already. Um, but we do come in with our history. So uh, expect it and be kind to people, be understanding, be patient and, uh, and love one another and give people, um, give people a chance. Uh, be patient. Okay. Love you all. I will see you in two weeks. 
This is Jennifer. Thanks for listening today. And please subscribe to the podcast. Each show, we're going to have new topics and information. If you'd like to find out more about coaching or matchmaking, please go to my website at lovegen.com or you can find me on my Facebook page, my personal page at Jennifer Styers.